Well, good evening. Welcome to Grace Community Church downtown. Glad that you have chosen to worship with us here this evening. We are spending um, four weeks in this passage that was just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to, to really get a handle on what God calls us to be as, as Christ followers, but also to be corp- understand who we are corporately as a body of Christ. I want to start with a question, and that question is uh, it's pretty simple, but there's multiple layers to it. And the question is this, why? Why are you here? Why are you here? Now, when you hear that question, you could, you could assume in a literal sense, why am I here at uh, Grace Community Church at the downtown campus? Um, so you could think, why am I here? That's actually not what I mean. Um, I'm asking more on an existential level. Why, why do you exist? What's your purpose in life? Uh, that's actually more important than the why are you here tonight. Uh, why do you exist? When I was a student at the University of Iowa in 1985 as a freshman, I came from a background where I'd never been to church before. Um, it just wasn't something that my family ever, ever did. I didn't own a Bible when I got here. My first three Bibles were Gideon's New Testaments. As many of you as students, you have probably multiple copies. Depending on how many years you've been here at the University of Iowa, you have one for every year you're here. They, you know the Gideons, they hand out the little green Bibles by the uh, student union. Well, that was my first introduction to the Bible. Eventually I became a Christian. My wife invited me to church. I started reading the Bible, and, and I was saved in 1988. I gave my life to Christ. But I remember having a specific meeting uh, with the pastor, Keith Carlson, who was discipling me at the time. And it was 1990. I'd been a Christian for a couple years. I was newly married. I was a senior in college. And we were sitting in Perkins at Coralville, eating pancakes, drinking coffee. And he asked me this question. Brooks, why did God save you? And the answer, I thought maybe for about five seconds, and my immediate response was so that I could go to heaven. And so that I could be saved from my sins. He says, well, that's a result of being saved. Let me rephrase the question. Why, after having saved you, are you still here? In other words, if, if the only purpose was, was to pardon me from sin and bring me into the presence of Christ, well, we could skip the whole next 70 years thing and just get straight to it. So, and, and I just was like, I don't know. Without that voice, of course. Well, you don't know me. Maybe not. Maybe that voice was the voice I used. But anyway, he said, well, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so we opened up the Bible, and uh, we read the very passage that you read. That's what we read. And so we're sitting there in Perkins, and he said, okay, Brooks, read from 17 through 21. I said, I read Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we're sitting there over breakfast, 
So why are you here? Why did God save you? Um, so I could be an ambassador? Ding, 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 ding. That's the correct answer. The existential answer to the question, why are you here, isn't so that I could someday be in heaven. Why am I here here is so that I could represent my king. Represent my king. That conversation altered the course of my life. Now, don't hear me say this is not a sermon about how now you have to go into vocational ministry. That's not the point. But we're going to be exploring tonight what the scriptures here specifically teach about uh, what we are as an ambassador. Uh, Jason brought us through last week um, our identity in Christ. And honestly, this is going to overlap quite a bit. So Jason and I covering, covering the same material because we're, we're going to talk about what we do, what we're called to do tonight, but it's so wrapped up in our identity that you really can't separate those. See, what we do must flow out of who we understand ourselves to be. Behavior is always determined by your beliefs. Always, always. So we're, we're still going to look at identity, but we're going to flow into, okay, now that we know who we are as ambassadors, and we're going to look more about that here in a second, uh, what do we do as ambassadors? So let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have reconciled us to yourself, that you have provided a means by which we can be made right with you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking our sins to the cross, for, for being sin for us and giving us your righteousness, as it says in verse 21. Lord, we pray that as we open up the Scriptures, Spirit, speak to us through your word. Help me to preach and teach in such a way, Jesus, that you are supremely exalted and lifted up and that, that all men and women are drawn to you, uh, the Savior, the Messiah of the universe, Lord. And we just pray that you would be glorified tonight and honored. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs> there it is. Let's see. I was warned that this is being a little touchy, so. Yes, yes, it works for now. Praise God. Okay, so here we are. Let's take a look at, at the scripture here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new, the new has come. Now, I recognize that if you were here last week, this is going to be review, but it's important review. If, if, you've, been, if you've done anything worthwhile in life, any discipline, whether you're bow behind the piano or whether um, preaching the Word of God or whatever your particular discipline is, you understand that repetition has value. So if we're covering something that you think, oh my gosh, we covered that so last week. We're so over the new creation stuff. No, you're not. You're never over understanding what it means to be a new creation. So therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and all things have been made new. So there was a point in time, there was a point in time where every single one of us, man, men, women, children, uh, older folks, doesn't matter. At one point in time, all of us were dead in our trespasses and our sins, in which we used to live when we followed uh, our flesh and we followed the ways of this world. This is what Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And he said, because of this, because of this, we were by nature objects of his wrath. By nature, objects of his wrath. So that's who we used to be, all of us. Paul says that at one time in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, he says the natural man is hostile to God. So all of us had a, a natural bent 
uh, hostility towards God. That doesn't necessarily mean that we were angry with God, but we resisted any, 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 uh, any authority, whether it's God or anyone else. And that's who we used to be. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but Paul says, but while, even while we were de- yet dead in our sins, we were made, past tense, we were made alive in Christ. In Christ. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is the gift of God. This is the gift of God. So that's who we are now. That's who we are now. We used to be rebels. We used to be insurgents. But that's not your identity anymore. You used to be dead in Christ, but you've been made alive. You are a new creation in Christ. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Just get your head around that for a second. The sovereign, omnipotent God of the universe has given you His Spirit to dwell inside of you, and that's your new identity. And because of that, your sin has been separated as far as the east is from the west. Your sin has been separated from you. You are no longer seen as a sinner. You're seen as a saint in the eyes of God because you have not only been pardoned from your sin, you've also received the Holy Spirit, and you've you've received God's gift, His imputed righteousness. The accomplishments, the merits of Christ are yours And so when Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees a blood-bought, heir, royalty, child of God. That's your new identity. That's the gospel. That's who you are. That's who I am. And even in the midst of our failure and even in the midst of our our stupidity and our, our, our weakness and human frailty, we're still new creations in Christ. We're still new creations in Christ. In the next portion here, Paul says, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And his, uh, boy, I could almost read that word, almost. I'm gonna have to actually look here on my, on my Bible. Verse 19, against them and entrusting, that's the word that's uh, washed out by the light, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We've been reconciled, and this is review. Jason covered this last week. We've been reconciled. That is, we've been made right with God. We were once at enmity towards God. We were once hostile towards God. We were by nature objects of wrath. But we've been reconciled. We've entered into a covenantal familial relationship with Jesus now, and we are, are one with him. We're united with Christ. Christ is in us, and we are in Christ. We've been reconciled. But it's, it's not just the fact that we've been reconciled. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now we're starting to get into, okay, what do we do? What do we do? We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has entrusted, entrusted to us the message, the message of reconciliation. This is something that has to be communicated verbally or writtenly. Writtenly. <laughs> I went to college. No, it has, it has to be communicated in one form or another. In other words, yes, you can, you can demonstrate the love of Christ. You can serve people, but ultimately you can serve all you want. But if, they're not, if you don't communicate with them the, the death, the burial, the love that God has for them in the sending of his only begotten son, there's no hope for them. They cannot, there's, there's no salvation apart from the name of Jesus Christ. So there is a message that must be communicated. There, there is a message which absolutely must be communicated. Um, and then uh, we are now ambassadors in Christ. Verse 20, therefore, 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are ambassadors. Now, definition of ambassador, this is uh, Webster's definition. An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Um, now, in the North Liberty uh, campus, we talked a little bit about this. So, who, who is the ambassador, United States ambassador to China right now? Terry Branstad. Now, Terry Branstad was the governor of, of the state of Iowa for many, many years. And then he went out of, he, came, he retired for a while, then he came back. So he used to be the governor here, but now he is the ambassador uh, to China for the United States. Now, he represents the United States of America, the president of the United States, in an official capacity. He's been appointed by the president to serve this role serve this role. So in that sense, he represents a, a democratic republic, the United States of America, and he's sworn to uphold the constitution of this nation as he lives in a foreign nation, right? Now, Paul, that's a similar understanding of the, of the word ambassador. It means the same thing, but let me give you a first century spin. A first century spin. If you're in the first century, you don't think of ambassador as someone who represents a sovereign nation, a democratic republic that's under a constitution by the people for the people. No, no. If you're an ambassador in the first century, you represent a monarch who has absolute authority. It isn't we the people for the people. It is a monarch who has absolute authority, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, whether it's Alexander the Great in Greece, or whether it is Augustus Caesar in Rome, these are monarchs who have absolute rule and authority. So when you, in the first century, when, when the people in Corinth, they hear the word, we are therefore ambassadors of Christ, they're not thinking representative of a, of a nation state, they're thinking representing a king representing a king. So we're going to look at three things tonight. We're going to look at uh, the ambassador's king, that is, who do we represent? Who do we represent? We're going to look at the ambassador's home, because an ambassador is living currently in a place which is not their home, and they represent their king, and, and, and they're not home yet. And then the third thing we're going to look at is the duties of an ambassador. Then we're going to take a look at some practical next steps that we can, we can take to actually live out this ambassadorship, if you will. So the first thing let's look at is the ambassador's king. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Um, I don't know if you can see that very well. There's two scripture references. One is Romans chapter 1. Might be advantageous to turn in your Bibles there so you can actually see the scripture. Uh, this is not the same word that Paul uses, uh, ambassador. That's very specific, representative, official representative of a foreign country or king. But he refers to himself in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, when he's writing the church in Rome, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. A servant of Christ Jesus. Okay, who is he a servant of? Christ Jesus. Who is he an ambassador for? Christ. Now, the word Christ is not a proper name. It's not Simpson. It's not like Brooks. It's, it's a title. It's the Greek word Christos, and it means Messiah. So 
we are ambassadors for our Messiah, our Messiah. Later in Romans chapter 1, he says, I am a servant, a servant of Christ. Now, the Greek word servant, doulos, it can be translated servant. It can also be translated slave. It can also be translated, it's often translated bondservant, depending on which translation of the Bible you're using. And here's the thing to understand about an ambassador or a servant. So however Paul describes himself, a servant has no rights of their own. When Paul says, I am a servant of Christ Jesus, he's saying, I live to do the will of my master. When he's saying that we are ambassadors, our king, Jesus, the Messiah, he is the one we represent, and we don't live in this foreign country to do our will. We live in this foreign country to do his bidding and to represent him. So we're not independent of his desires for us. We're not independent of his desires for us. So, but sticking in, with the theme here of being new creations in Christ, the old has passed, behold, the new has come, that's not, we're not used to thinking that way. That's a new, that's a new paradigm for us as followers of Christ. So, the old which passed away, who was the king, who was your king before you encountered Christ? What's that? Me, yeah. We, were, we viewed ourselves as autonomous, self-driven individuals, and the decisions we made were for our own best interest. That's always what governed our decision-making process, is what is best for me at this moment. That's how we made every decision we ever made. And honestly, even after coming to Christ, we still make decisions based that way. So here's how it's supposed to look. In the old us, before Christ, we were self-governing and, and submitted to no one except our own desires. And if we submitted to someone else, it's because there was something in it for us. That's always the way it worked. But the old is gone. Behold, all things have made new. Now we have a king, and he is our king. Now, practically speaking, so that's in theory what it means to be a new creation. So an ambassador, he is our king. Jesus is our king. Practically, though, practically, to whom do you bow your knee? The decisions that you and I, that we make on a daily basis, whom are they for? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every nation on earth is named, in other words, is there ever a time you, you literally or metaphorically bow the knee? Daily, do you bow the knee and say, Lord Jesus, I am your ambassador. I am your servant. I live to do your will. What would you have me do today? How would you have me interact with this, with this person? Have you, and and sometimes, sometimes Christians, they segment their lives and they want to they give part of their lives to Christ so he can be, he can be Lord of their lives from Sunday 5 p.m. until Sunday 7 p.m. But Monday, I'm king. Friday night, I'm king. In sexuality, I'll be my own boss. My finances, I'll call the shots. That's, that's not an ambassadorship. So even as followers of Christ, even as followers of Christ, we can slip into a kingship mentality. Not ambassadorship, but a kingship mentality. 
So I would encourage you to just think, think to yourself, am I, have I submitted, have I bowed the knee to my king? Because you can't be an ambassador if you are here in this, this place for your own interests. The ambassador is representing their king. They're representing their king. The, the new song that we just sang, uh, I'm not sure what the name of it is, Joy. Joy, Steve is nodding, that's it. Uh, great song. There's a line in there, I wrote it down as we were singing. There is freedom, though you have captured me. Now here's the thing. There is a, there's a belief, it's a false belief, that if I bow the knee to Jesus and I give him free reign over all my life, my sexuality, my finances, my leisure time, my vocation, my education, my relationships with friends that are believers, my relationship with friends which are not believers, if I give Jesus free reign in all my life, I will cease to have joy because I won't be in control anymore. That is absolutely false. And, and quite frankly, the opposite is true. Until we release until we release and bow the knee to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are king, rule in my life, we'll never have joy. At least lasting joy. At least lasting joy. Which brings us to the next portion here. The ambassador's home. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. You can't read that, but please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, chapter 5, back it up a few verses. Back it up a few verses and look at verse 6. Paul says, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, that is, while we're still in this, this shell, this clay vessel, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we're of good courage. And we'd rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So what, what, is, what is Paul saying? This place is not our home. Jesus in John chapter 14, before he, before he went to the cross, he told his disciples that I'm going away to prepare a place for you and you can't come with me now. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's with you now. He's going to be in you. And, but someday there will be a day when you will be home. You'll be, you'll be home. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, he goes, someday you will, behold him, you will behold him face to face as he is, and you will reflect him in all his glory, and then you'll be home. But you're not home yet. Paul says as long as we're in this body, we are away from the Lord and we're not home. See, an ambassador recognizes that the place they are currently living isn't home. Before Christ, before the old had passed away, we viewed everything under the sun as home. We lived for the security that we could get in this life. And there's nothing wrong with wanting security. But when you live as if this place is your home, you, you tight fist, you white knuckle everything which God gives you. The gifts, the good gifts that he gives you your friends, your family, your relationships. And, and most of you are very, very young. Your health, you take that for granted. Your health and, and the home that you live under and, and different, different things which you're working for. You, you think that somehow these things, you, you want to create a home. There's nothing wrong with having a home, but this isn't your home. And, and here's why. Here's why. You need to understand this. And, and this is harder to say to this group than it is maybe North Liberty because you're so much younger 
But everything that you hold dear is going to be yanked from you. Every, everything you love, all of it will be yanked from you. I did six weddings this summer. Someday, all of those spouses are going to lose the spouse they love. All of them. Unless, of course, they're on their way somewhere and they're both killed in a car crash. They're not going to go at the same time. Some of you are like, gosh, this is depressing. We already covered Ecclesiastes in the dead of winter. Do we have to go back there? Yes, we do. And here's why we do is because if you are lulled into thinking that, that your joy has to be found in this life and this is your home, you will never have joy because everything that you're placing your security in, you can't keep. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's relationships, or whether it's your health, or whether it's financial security, all of that is tenuous at best. And ultimately, ultimately, you can't, you can't take with you. And by the way, the things that I all mentioned, those are all gifts of God. But when you hold on to them and you make them ultimate things. Yeah. So the old is gone. Behold, all things have made new. A new perspective, a new understanding understands that, that Christ, that Christ is our king. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He's gone to prepare a place for us. And that, that that's our home. Now, we're not talking about some ethereal uh, heaven where it's misty and cloudy and, and you're, you've got wings and a harp, I think it's more likely that you'll have a base and, and you'll be with others and there'll be material substance. We'll be, we'll be eating and drinking together and singing and praising. People from all nations will be at the wedding feast of the Lamb and that's the new heavens and the new earth which we're going we're gonna to talk about in the story of God and, and that's, that's our home. So everything that we experience now is, is simply a foreshadowing of a, of a, of a more solid reality. This is, this is all tenuous. It's all going to be gone. The new heavens and the new earth, they're never going to be gone. That's what we're going to experience for eternity. So this, this is a foretaste, a foretaste. It's not, so you can't grab onto it and hold it. And the ambassador knows that, and they're representing their king. Representing their king. Where's your home? Where's your security placed? So many of you are younger. You're in grad school. You're an undergrad. You're just starting out your careers. It's very, very tempting to think that all this work that you've put in your studies and so forth and so on is, is going to get you that prime job and you're going to find that, that perfect uh, relationship and you're, you're, you're making a nest for yourself. You're planning, you're nesting, if you will, and you're going to create a home for yourself. And that's all a beautiful thing. But that's not where your security lies. Recognize that that's only a foreshadow of better things yet to come. Because if you don't realize that, you will make your whole life about protecting that. And in doing so, you'll never be able to bow the knee because you'll actually view Christ as in competition with your security. And then you won't be able to actually serve him because you're afraid that if you bend the knee to Jesus and he's really your king, he might take the things you love most from you. So, where's your home? The next are the duties, an ambassador's duties. Or not. Okay.
It was doing so well up until this point. Ugh, I knew it. Steve warned me. He said, don't press it too hard. It'll just jump five slides ahead. Could you, could you back it up, please? There you go. All right. Um, so verse 20, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Jason alluded to this or touched on this last week. There's probably nothing more risky for God than that. Okay, so we're his ambassadors. So God is making his appeal to the world that doesn't know Christ through us. Now think about the implications of that. If, if God isn't, not, not if, since he's entrusted to us the, ministry, the message of reconciliation, he's making his appeal through us. If it depended on you, would anyone ever hear the good news that Jesus Christ has died for their sins? Don't answer out loud. That's, that's a scary proposition. See, an ambassador doesn't live on this earth to go around just simply interacting with people, but to, to, to bring them to the knowledge of their king, their savior, who wants to be the savior of the world, who is the savior of the world, but wants, wants people to come to know come to know them. So our duties, our duties are, are to make him known. Uh, who are we appealing to? John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, says that missions exist because worship of Christ is not. That's the reason we're ambassadors. There's no other reason, really. I mean, you think about it. God saves us. We're pardoned from sin. We give the gift of his righteousness. And now we're here for 70 years. If you're in your 20s, you know, depending on how old you are, you, you have this much time left. So why are we here? To be ambassadors. To be ambassadors. He's entrusted this message to us. He's making his appeal to the world through us. How are we appealing? We're appealing with a ministry, as Jason talked about last week, the ministry and the message of reconciliation. We both declare the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and the supremacy of our King, and we demonstrate the love of Christ. Both of those. It's not an either-or. It's not an either-or. And it's interesting because he says, God making his appeal through, what's the pronoun there? It's plural. It's us. It's not through you. And by the way, he does use you, but he uses us collectively. My wife and I, God has knit us together. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We have different... Um, just a different bent. And so oftentimes we'll have uh, dinner with people or so forth and so on. And this is going to be hard. Some of you are like, you're not going to buy this because when you hear me, all I do is talk. But I, sometimes I get quiet and I'm more introspective and I, I just, you know, I would just as soon not be in a crowd. And so I'll be in a, in a dinner setting and I don't really want to talk. I just want to be quiet. I just want to shell up in myself and, and eat and listen. But my wife, on the other hand, she will ask the people we're with all sorts of questions about themselves. All sorts of questions. So she'll ask. and So they're just talking and I'm just like going, just eating, thinking that I'm going to get out of any ambassadorship that evening. I'm just, I'm having me time, you know. And so then all of a sudden, my wife will and the Holy Spirit uses her to guide the conversation in such a way that now we're talking about Christ. And the person will ask some sort of question, and my wife will just look at me. 
and then just pull the ripcord and the Briggs and Stratton starts up. Now I've gone through my testimony. Uh, whatever they're taught, we're into apologetics. We're talking about Genesis. We're talking about the majesty of Christ and the and the it's whatever. And if it weren't for my wife, that conversation would not have happened because I'm lazy and disobedient. But we are ambassadors. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. The body of Christ, God puts us together and he uses different strengths and different weaknesses so that as a team, we represent him best. No one of us represents Christ well. But together, we are his body. We are his body. So don't, don't read this as, oh my gosh, this is such a heavy burden. I've got to be on ambassador. The, you're not the ambassador. You're an ambassador, and we are all together his ambassadors. So we do this together. And there's, there's great freedom in that and, and joy because it's not on any, any one of us. So let's look at some next steps here. Step one, step one or two, whichever pops up on the screen. Can we back it up one, please? Thank you. Step one. The first step here is to be reconciled. Uh, I, Paul doesn't assume. Look, he's writing to Christians in Corinth, but what's he say? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And you're like, wait a minute, aren't they all Christians? Well, yes, yeah, some of them, probably most, but not everybody who's hearing the letter of, of first or Second Corinthians read actually knows Jesus. In the same way, whenever I or Jason or Steve or anyone preaches to any congregation anywhere in the world, there's a good chance, a very high probability, that not everybody there has come into a saving relationship with Jesus. Some of you are here, not existentially, but literally here, because you're seeking. You're trying to figure out who is Christ. And this is a wonderful place for you to be because we encourage skeptics to, to, to hang out, to ask questions. It's a safe place to wrestle with doubt. So this is a great place to be. And, but you haven't yet recon, been reconciled to Christ. Some of you are, are, are just trying to figure out who Jesus is. And, and keep asking questions. Read. Study the Word. But I, I, want, I want to draw your attention here to um, you, you're either sitting on it or you picked it up and are holding it, this little card. And if you open up the card here, your first step is to be reconciled to Christ. Inside of this card is something called the story. The story is an overview of the narrative of Scripture, the gospel. So if you have not yet come into a personal relationship with Jesus, you're not sure exactly what that means. You've heard a lot about grace through faith and what Jesus did and separating our sins. But, and it's all interesting to you. This will help you kind of understand what that means. So I want to encourage you to take this home, devour it, uh, come back, ask questions, but uh, be reconciled to Christ. Some of you know exactly what it means. You've just been reluctant because you think that if you submit to Christ, you lose your freedom, and you know what? You're right. But that's when you become truly free. That's when all of a sudden joy becomes real because your king will care for you and provide all of your needs according to his riches and his glory. So that's, that's the first step. That's the first step. Now, many of you are already followers of Christ. Many of you are already followers of Christ. Um, how do we get there? Could we advance it to step two? Thank you. Uh, for we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf. Do I th the, the second step is to, to evaluate. Do I think 
Do I think like an ambassador or do I think like a king? If, if you're honest and you recognize that you find yourself thinking more like a king than an ambassador, and even though you technically know Jesus is your Savior and, and you've trusted him, the next step is just to simply repent and make 1 John 1, 9 your friend. That's a verse that I, I, I've memorized because I sin a lot. It's, John says in 1 John 1, chapter 9, to confess your sins. Confess your sins to the Lord, for he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And if anyone says that he's without sin, he's a liar and the truth of God is not in them. So just get familiar with that because when you find yourself acting and living like a king and thinking like a king, you'll recognize I'm not bending the knee to Jesus. I'm trying to run the show here. Lord, I just want to confess to you that I've been acting like a king and, and, and you're the king. And, and I, I bend my knee to you. I confess that is sin. And he's faithful and just and he forgives. And he purifies us from all unrighteousness. So evaluate your thinking process. Am I thinking like a new creation or am I thinking like the old, the old me? So, so think that through. And, and then step three, evaluate. Who is in my sphere of influence? So Terry Branstad is uh, the U.S. ambassador Where? China. So that's his context geographically and culturally. You're an ambassador where? Iowa City. Now, now that's a city, but I want you to think, I want you to think more practically. Who is the sphere of influence? Some of you are ambassadors at Burge. Some of you are ambassadors in, in a specific department at the University of Iowa in graduate studies. Some of you are ambassadors in a cul-de-sac somewhere in North Liberty. That's your context. That's where you represent Jesus. And here's the deal. Only you can reach the people that God has put in your sphere of influence. You were raised, you were brought up for such a time as this that you would be an ambassador to someone very specifically. As my wife was an ambassador to me, in 1986 through 88, and I came to know Jesus. As Keith Carlson was an ambassador to me, and he opened my eyes to the scripture. Those two individuals were close in proximity to me, and they could represent Jesus well. And then I could give my life to Christ. And God has someone in store for you to be an ambassador to that lives in this culture, that does not know the name of Jesus. Yes, they know the name of Jesus, but they do not know him relationally. So, there are these cards here, and they're specific in nature because we're encouraging people to make specific commitments. Specific commitments. Um, how many, and, and let, me, let me just walk you through why this is important. How many of you have ever been to a sermon any time in your life, or a Bible study, or a, a, a devotion, a personal devotion where you're reading the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit impresses something upon your heart that you should do? Anybody ever had that experience? Now, how many of you leave the sanctuary to go eat, forget about what the Holy Spirit impressed upon you, and never follow up with anything that the Holy Spirit impressed upon you? Okay? You're normal. You're normal. So what we would like to do here is, is provide not accountability, but encouragement to follow through. Encouragement to follow through. So on this, there are three different ways that you can commit to be an ambassador. The first is... I commit to pray consistently for faith for two new friends. 
Two new friends. The, the second one is I commit to inviting a friend to learn about the Bible with me. That could be in a small group setting. It could be coffee somewhere together. Or it could be inviting them to the story of God, which begins October here in this church. But by committing to one of those and then putting your name and your contact address here, and as you leave, you see that, that pillar, that box there right behind you? You can, you can drop that in. Now, some of you know exactly, yes, of course, I'm going to commit to pray for two friends. I already know who they are. Uh, yes, I'm going to invite them. To, yes, uh, yes, all of these. Yes, I'm going to commit to learning ways so I can welcome international students or refugees. Yes, I'm involved in that already. And check, check, check. You're, you could do that as you walk out the door. Some of you are like, you know, I haven't thought about this much. I would encourage you to take this home and to and to pray and say, Lord, put this in your Bible. And then as you have your, your, your devotions in the morning or whenever you have your time with the Lord, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to be an ambassador. I'm not sure what that means. Show me my first steps. Who can I pray for? And then when you come back next week, that box is going to be there for, for quite some time. You can drop that in here. Now, here's, here's what we do with the follow-up. If you were to check, I want to pray for two friends consistently, and it says two plus friends, this little card here, InterVarsity 2 Plus, we, we've uh, had Wade Summers, who is on staff at Grace and uh, also on staff with InterVarsity. He's part-time with both. He, he put together a seven-minute teaching uh, video where he's actually teaching um, uh, some people in our staff on how to use this tool as an ambassador for Christ to determine who your sphere of influence is. Who are the six people that God has put you around that you know that probably don't know Christ. And then walking you through how to pray for Lord. Specifically, which two of those people do you want me to pray for specifically that I might encounter? And then where are they at in their faith? It's, a, it's very well done. And it, it's a training, uh, training tool. You can, you can access it on YouTube. And then our channel, Grace B3. And then the actual video is called InterVarsity 2 Plus Card Tutorial. So if you put this card in there and you don't remember all of that information right there and you put your email, we'll send you the link. And then you can go through that training with your small group. You can go through that training at, by yourself or, or, or what have you. And we can encourage you to take that next step because Christ has called all of us to be ambassadors together. We don't want to be like the Apostle James described as individuals who hear the Word of God, are moved by the Word of God, but like a man who looks in a mirror and goes away and forgets himself. We don't want to walk away forgetting what we're called to be as ambassadors. We want to spur one another on towards love, towards good deeds, that our King, our King would receive worship and glory from the people that we live amongst. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for, for being our Savior, for being our Messiah. Lord, it is a fact that you are the King, but sometimes we do not live as if you were the King. Oftentimes we find ourselves trying to sit in your throne. Lord, we confess that that is foolishness and folly both for ourselves and for the cause of the kingdom. And we ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts to see you truly as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that we would align ourselves as your ambassadors so that we might live to glorify you. 
Lord, help us not to see this place as our home, but to see it as our, 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 that we are passing through. And Lord, give us a heart for the people that we come alongside, that they might come to know you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.